Welcome to episode 27 of More Than Just Maps. This podcast was created with the intent for anyone in the GIS field to get from where they are now to where they want to be. Be that your first job, a career move, or just improving your GIS game overall. On this week's episode, we are talking with Ashley Hitt, Vice President of the GIS Services for Connect the Nation. She began her GIS path through a required GIS class in her meteorology degree. After getting her master's in geosciences, she quickly joined Connect the Nation, began to move up the ranks until she was the vice president of the GIS department. This leads into a discussion of going from an analyst to leadership, the different strategies that that move requires in order to perform well. Now for part one of the interview. Welcome to this episode of the podcast. Today, my guest is Ashley Hitt, VP of GIS Services for Connect the Nation. Thank you, Ashley. Happy to be here. Thank you, Ollie. So let's jump right in. Um, how did you first get into the GIS field? I actually started when, when I went to school, I went to Western Kentucky University, and I originally went there to study meteorology. And as part of the, the program that meteorology was in, you had to take an intro to GIS course. And I absolutely fell in love with it. I, I have always loved maps. My dad always joked about how I was navigator during road trips as a kid. And I always had to have my Rand McNally Atlas, just, you know, trying to figure out where we're at, where we're going and how long it's going to take, what are we going to pass? And so when I decided to switch from meteorology to GIS as a major, he totally was not surprised. And so I continued with the, the geography program at Western and then ended up staying for my master's degree in geoscience uh, with that focus in GIS and kind of didn't turn around after that. Yeah, when, you're, when you know you found your thing, it's, it's really easy to stay on the path. It, definitely. Um, so what were some of the fun things that you were doing between your undergraduate um, work and and then your graduate work? Some of the really cool things that I did since it was part of the geography department, it, we had a really great department head that was really into making sure that students had those connections to not just lifelong learning, but things that were very applicable to what the real world was going to look like. Not just, oh, here's, here's the data for this course and it's perfect. And you know, go mess with it. But, you know, here's, here's an imperfect data set, really try to figure out what's wrong with it, try to figure out what the real life, the real life application is of it. And so I had a really great opportunity, actually twice, while in grad school and in undergrad, to do two study abroad trips with the geography department at Western Kentucky, and just applying some of the things that we were learning about in GIS courses, you know, using, taking GPS units with us and really analyzing, you know, the data, not just the data collection side, but then after we got back, being able to process that information and create really cool things. So that was, that was another really cool part of, of what that program specifically offered. That's really good. I know from personal experience, definitely had the, uh, hey, here's your perfect data, go ahead, run this. Um, It wasn't probably until I got into my graduate studies that they started giving us real stuff like go to the site download it make it work but up until then it was really difficult to have a, a firm grasp of what it was actually like out in the real world because yes they just I give mean, you everything already 
Exactly. So certainly starting out in those very intro level classes with, you know, here are the exact directions of how to perform this task or perform this analysis and get to X results to get that baseline. And then they immediately would jump into, okay, here's your objective. Now, how are you going to hit that objective with where you know where to get data, create data, analyze? And so it was just really great that almost immediately after learning the basics, they threw us in for, you know, how are you going to do that critical thinking to figure out how to solve this problem instead of, you know, no one's going to give you a direction set. They're going to say, I need X and you have to figure out how to get from what you currently have to solve X. Yeah. And I mean, at the beginning, the handholding is nice because when you're first getting into GIS, it can be very, very overwhelming. Um, What's your thoughts on begin at the beginning with handholding versus just throwing people into the deep end. I, I definitely really appreciated the kind of the, the instruction sets to get used to it and seeing what certain tools did, how you were able to apply certain knowledge. And so I definitely appreciated kind of that initial handholding. My, my personal learning style is very visual and hands-on. So being able to see how it's done and then replicate it and then be able to apply those different derivatives of that, that was very useful for me personally. So that whole process flow was definitely wonderful for me. Yeah, I'm, I'm similar, but I don't know how pervasive that is throughout the industry. I don't know if everyone who's taken a GIS is like that as well, or if it's just the people I happen to interact with are all like that. Um, I've kind of heard both, like in terms of being that visual hands-on learner and then Also people that are just like, you know, oh, I totally taught myself this tool or this uh, programming language or, you know, coding or some aspect of what we do. And they are able to just completely teach themselves based on other resources. Um, So, yeah, I've I've definitely heard a mix of people and and certainly it depends on personality types and and all that good stuff, too. Yeah. And especially even after you're done school, it's I think this is more if if your schooling was more handholding than throwing you in the deep end. Um, But even with your first job, it's, you're kind of still used to a little bit of that where you're being given everything. And I've seen it and I've also experienced it where, hey, you're asking for help and people are expecting you to just help yourselves. So I think in the long run, it's kind of what you had said, doing a little bit of handholding at the beginning is good, but then to quickly get people to, to teach them how to find the answers for themselves. Yeah, teach them how to explore and, you know, get set up for that so that you can just jump off and go, oh, hey, we're trying to solve this, or this person is looking for this type of map or this type of analysis, or this is the question they're trying to answer, and you figuring out the process flow and all of the parts and pieces that will get them to that to make a better decision and more informed decision. Exactly. Um, So after you're in graduated with your master's. Uh, What happened next? So I got really, really lucky. So Connected Nation was getting ready to move to Bowling Green, Kentucky. It's always been a Kentucky-based organization. And they, at the time, were getting ready to move their headquarters to Bowling Green. And they knew GIS and geospatial analysis was going to be a huge part of the mission of the organization. And can so I actually interrupt you there and ask, uh, can you actually explain a little bit what Connected Nation, uh, what kind of organization they are? Absolutely. So we are a national nonprofit organization that is working to expand technology and high speed or broadband internet access 
into ser uh, unserved and underserved areas across the country. Uh, urban, rural, remote, everybody should be part of a connected nation. And so at the time, gosh, this is over 15 years ago, they were getting ready to move their headquarters to Bowling Green, Kentucky. And so knowing that that GIS and geospatial analysis, location intelligence was gonna be a huge part of how do you solve that problem unless you accurately measure it and that location was a huge part of that. They were very interested in learning about Western's GIS program. And so they actually came to WKU, they talked to some of the professors and said, you know, hey, we'd love to meet some students. And at the time I was doing my graduate degree and a professor had actually approached me and said, you know, hey, this company is going to do a tour of our GIS center and they're interested in talking to students. You know, if you're available, we'd love for you to talk to them. And so I, I did a tour and helped, you know, introduce what Western was doing in GIS and the innovations they were doing in student training and teaching and instruction. And then uh, a couple months later, after they had actually moved to Bowling Green, they reached out. They were going to be hiring for a GIS analyst position, and they asked if I'd be interested in applying, and I did and got the job. And so literally, I graduated with my master's on a Friday night, and the next week started at Connected Nation, and now I've been there for over 14 years. That's the dream, right? <laughs> it's been wonderful, yes. I got really lucky. So I think you're probably one of the only people that I've talked to who has been in the same, um, with the same organization since they, since they've gotten out of school. So how have you felt that you've been able to move through this organization then? Um, since you're not, you haven't moved around, um, as most people have, but you've, but you've moved up within the organization as well. Yes. So what, one of the things that's also really lucky about working at Connect a Nation is that, there is a lot of uh, senior level support or C-suite um, support for professional development. And so being able to be involved with organizations like ERISA and being able to have funding set up for us for to do training and to go to conferences and to be part of committees on, in these organizations has just been so overwhelming and flexible and uh, it's just been really wonderful to have that type of support for being involved in such organizations. And so there, there's definitely not much that can replace that because I know there's so many in the GIS industry that don't have that type of support, whether it's funding or just time uh, to be able to attend committee meetings uh, for whether it's a chapter or U.S. International or any of the other geospatial organizations that the level of support that we get every single year of, you know, hey, what are, what are others in the industry doing? And hey, let's talk about what we're doing, but also give us the opportunity to learn from other organizations about the way they're doing analysis, data visualization, how are they using the technology to advance their mission? Um, so it's, it's just been really wonderful that Connected Nation has such an an overarching support of those types of activities for everybody at every level of the organization. So they're supporting you everywhere you go. And then how have they, how has the structure within um, allowed you to move up from being an analyst to now you're the VP of GIS services? Um, that's a big jump, not just from responsibility, but also the skills that you're required in each of those roles. 
Exactly. And so that was definitely when I was an analyst and we, we've had some, some really large projects. And so our staff grew pretty significantly uh, early on. And so being able to be an analyst and being the best I could be at all of the technical pieces, that was what drove me at the time was how do I get better at doing these analyses or thinking differently about an approach or how am I going to solve this question that's been posed, whether that's from an elected official, a local stakeholder, or just us internally, how are we going to solve these problems or these challenges of closing the digital divide? And so my whole focus when I was an analyst was all about data visualization, getting information out, doing the analytics. But then as soon as I became manager of the department, that's when everything really started to turn. And so I, I wish that I had taken uh, like the, the URISA, the GIS Leadership Academy, I wish I had taken that sooner and been a part of that to learn some of those lessons about you know, how your position really changes from being so technical as an analyst or a related position. And then as soon as you are supervising others or trying to lead staff, your focus then changes to be about the people at your organization. And, you know, what, what are the things that are going to empower the staff members that you are now in charge of? And so that was that it took me a little bit longer to kind of see that shift in what I needed to focus on, because when I first started that transition from analyst to manager, I was still so focused on the data and how do I uh, continue these analyses and how do I make sure that things are getting done in a proper process flow and that's still very important in that management position but making sure that the staff are taken care of how do I empower them to make decisions or to try things uh, make sure that they have the training and professional development that they need and are looking for what are their motivations as a staff member to stay at Connected Nation uh, and to be part of all of these different things. So definitely that change in focus. It took me a while to get there and realize that the, the most important thing for me day to day is no longer the focus on the technology, but specifically about the people. Yeah, and I think that's a really common thing when people are promoted to a management position. Um, and some people will eventually understand that their position has changed like you had to understand, but then there's also managers who just never do. And they're still worried about the data. They're still worried about the technical aspects. And, and I think there's some of that in management where you, you do need to be aware of it, but, but that shouldn't be your, your main focus anymore. Correct. Absolutely. Yeah. And it, it definitely took me a bit to get there. And, and one of the other uh, books that I've actually read that was really so impactful as being a manager, because obviously even in GIS, you know, we have so many different types of industries that use GIS or any type of location intelligence that your the type of organization that you're in can help determine how you should best lead that organization. And so um, this book that I read, it was just absolutely wonderful. It's called Lead Right for Your Organization's Type. So it is kind of kind of classifies four different types of organizations. You know, certainly uh, with me being at Connected Nation, a nonprofit, I am going to need to lead the staff and what we are trying to accomplish differently than somebody who might lead GIS at an electric utility or somebody that's a consultant 
or somebody that's in academia. And so depending on the type of organization you're at, there are different types of leadership styles and skills that will need to take precedence or your focus in how GIS is applied, how we are learning, how we have urgency with different types of deliverables or deadlines that we may have, um, or just trying to get things done. How do we approach that? And how does that fit into our, our vision or our mission to get things done as an organization overall. So that that book was very powerful to read in terms of, you know, if somebody switches positions from say a city county government to the private sector, how does that change their leadership style or what that organization might be looking for? And so while we have a lot of um, information out there, like again, the, the Eurasil GIS Leadership Academy, there's a lot of things in there about leadership styles and how to apply different things for different situations. Uh, even the type of organization that you have can help bring focus to how you might best approach that leadership style and managing different staff members in a technical field. I'm so glad you brought this up because one, I had never even thought of that before. Two, that is amazing because yeah, of course, every organization is going to be different. Each, every organization out there that has different goals um, some like yours are nonprofit, some are for profit, some it just some are serving a very limited customer base, some are serving entire nations or the world. So that is such an excellent thing to take into account that I'm gonna admit I didn't even think of that. Um, and I guess that can definitely, definitely change how you approach management in general. Definitely, because especially, and then of course, depending on how large your staff is. Um, you know, if you're a one person shop, if you, there's only two of you, if you have a very large staff and then, you know, how do we work together to accomplish that singular goal or the, achieve our vision through, you know, all of the things that we are, all the goals and objectives that we're trying to accomplish. Um, and so even looking at it from, from that framework, being able to apply, you know, Hey, we've, we've got a deadline and everything needs to be in sync. Everything needs to be um, the process flow needs to be handled exactly the same way between all of the things that every single person is working on. That leadership style might be very focused on here's exactly what every single one of us needs to be doing for the process flow. And so that's more of the, the kind of the authoritarian leadership style at that moment in time. So it's very situational. But then if we're looking at, well, how are we going to innovate our, our geospatial activities? How are we going to innovate our data visualization? That's going to take a much different approach in terms of well, let's test things, let's research, let's try this, let's see what works and what doesn't. Because at the end of the day, we're still going to learn different things about, you know, hey, we tried this, it didn't quite work. Maybe a year later, we revisit it. Some things have changed, whether that's on the technology side or what our business objectives are, we might try it again. Um, so that leadership style might completely change as far as what gets delegated, what kind of gets, you know, oh, we have to do this, this exact way, because that's the way our client is exactly prescribing that we do it. Or is it more of a loose environment where we can go, hey, we've got the opportunity to explore and just see what works. Um, and so definitely the approach has been quite different on that situation of, you know, what, what are we trying to accomplish at this point? So 
as you've kind of evolved, and I'm sure your leadership style has evolved over the years, um, how have you come across the problem of, well, this is the way we've always done it, so this is the way we're going to do it. And it might not exist in that you're coming into a new organization and trying to change things in a new, new organization, but it might also come from people entering your organization and they're used to things a certain way and that's not the way you've decided to do them. Absolutely. So, you know, this is the way we've always done it are the world's most, you know, terrifying words, especially in a technology field. That exactly. <laughs> especially with it moving at lightning speed. Uh, like it just, it boggles my mind how quickly everything changes these days. Yes, exactly. So saying we're going to, you know, oh, we've always done it this way. Well, abs- okay, sure. There are some things that might be part of the, you know, a, a tradition or things that are expected from clients or citizens, residents, etc. that, you know, oh, hey, I've always been able to report this or uh, see this type of information, but it has to evolve. We have so many resources available to us in, in GIS uh, throughout all of the different technology, the data visualization, the options and resources that are available to us if you are stagnant as a person or as an organization, you are almost guaranteed to set yourself up for failure. So being able to do the additional training and go, oh, hey, this this has just gotten released. I think it's really great if we could at least try to apply it. Maybe it doesn't apply to our business at this moment or perhaps ever, but at least being aware of it as a professional in the industry And then being able to try and advance your organization, innovate, enhance what you were already doing, but staying in one place over and over is definitely not the answer. And do you find that even though you've been at the same organization for a while, do you find that you yourself feel like you're staying in the same place or or are you able to, I'm going to do air quotes, move with the organization to make sure that you guys aren't staying stagnant either? Yeah, again, I've been really lucky just with the level of support that Connect the Nation offers towards that professional development and wanting to be part of that kind of cutting edge. And if we can be early adopters or, you know, if we if we have very specific deadlines or projects that we're trying to get done, certainly we might have to put that on the back burner for a little bit. But the desire is always there to try and figure out what else can we be doing? How can we be doing this better, more efficient getting more information out to people, to local governments, to states, um, to be able to try and figure out how do we solve this problem of the digital divide. So um, we have had, we've been really lucky to have a a huge focus in our organization on how do we make those changes or at least test them. Um, So definitely the innovation is there. We we do not want to stay stagnant. Um, That is part of our culture in terms of not, we've always done it this way, but how can we continually make that better? And so we have a focus on revisiting things and saying, you know, hey, this this has worked. Is there a better way to do it? Or is this still the best way? I love the way your organization works right now. That sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's definitely a great place to be. We've got so much support from senior leadership and literally all the way down. Um, so even when I first started at the organization, it was, you know, hey, we recognize that GIS is a very technical field and they recognize that things change very often. Um, you know, even though, you know, senior leadership, they haven't taken GIS courses, they don't, they've never been in the software or any of the tools or technology that's part of it. But just having that recognition of 
we know what the power of GIS is. And so we have a lot of champions in our organization to be able to go, how can we support you? Even starting out as an entry level uh, person at the organization, you know, what, what funding do you need to continue doing what you're doing and attend conferences and being part of this, being part of the conversation and making those connections uh, to other GIS professionals who we can learn from. That's amazing. Thank you, Ashley, so much. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for listening. Join us again in a couple of weeks for part two for a discussion of growing your professional skills.